Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, a recap of President Biden's first visit to Minnesota since the election, an update on four decades of the AIDS epidemic, and the twins make a big deal with Byron Buxton. But first... To ensure that both the state and the defendant receive a fair trial by an impartial jury, it'll be necessary for me and the attorneys to ask you some questions. Remember that you will be under oath when you answer our questions and that you must answer truthfully. Jury selection took place this week in the manslaughter trial of former Brooklyn Center police officer Kim Potter. Potter has pleaded not guilty in the shooting death of Dante Wright. While questioning one potential juror on Tuesday, defense attorney Paul Eng answered one of the key unknowns in the trial. Officer Potter will testify Mm -hmm. and tell you. What right. she remembered right. happened. Yes. Um, so you will know, not just from the video, but from the officers at the scene mm-hmm. and Officer Potter herself. I spoke with former U.S. Attorney Tom Heffelfinger about things he'll be watching for in this high-profile trial. It seems like, uh, and this is a, a, a big oversimplification, but it seems like the defense attorneys are going to be essentially arguing that that uh, officer potter mistakenly drew her gun instead of a taser during the traffic stop um, and that's going to be a big part of their defense is that a strong defense in this particular case it is a good defense because it fits the facts it also is the state of facts that the chief of police disclosed almost immediately after the shooting. Uh, It's not a good defense in that she was a very experienced officer, had been well-trained, and she was, in fact, a training officer. Uh, And one, the the jury could reasonably say, how could she make such a stupid mistake? Uh, But it is the set of facts, and uh, it may fit... Uh, of the two charges, it, look, that set of facts seems to fit the second-degree manslaughter more than it does because uh, that requires uh, culpable negligence, whereas the first degree requires um, uh, you know, a higher level of rec- recklessness, which is a higher level of conduct than mere negligence. You mentioned to me just a few moments ago, we were talking a little bit about the prosecution uh, attorney team versus the defense attorney team. You've got uh, a couple people on the prosecution side who were part of the prosecution team in the Derek Chauvin case. You've got people on the defense side who are defending some of the officers involved in the Chauvin case and have had experience in some high-profile police shooting cases before. Um, what are you looking for from both sides in terms of, of strategies and in terms of the experience of the attorneys? These are people, it's not their first time at the rodeo, so to speak. From the prosecution side, if the, I think the prosecution would make a mistake in this case to view this as just another version of the Chauvin trial. It is not that. Uh, it is, I, I think, a more difficult case from a prosecutor's perspective. 
the defense uh, is very, very experienced, uh, and they also will know how to uh, position their client for this jury. I, I do not believe that the defense here, because they were not trying, none of these lawyers were trying the Chauvin case. In other words, they weren't on the defense team. But they were watching it carefully, and I do believe they will recognize that this is not the same thing. In terms, Tom, of of big picture, obviously we have got uh, activists and others in Minnesota who are very concerned about what appears to be, um, and maybe maybe this is inaccurate, but it, it appears to be, based on news coverage, etc., a trend of police officers shooting black men in Minnesota. And obviously it's, it's a national story, again, here locally. Uh, big picture-wise, what do you think this trial represents for the state of Minnesota and in larger context throughout the U.S. with regard to police relations and race relations? This is a case that I believe most of the media that will be reporting this will recognize as being different from an officer kneeling on somebody's neck for eight minutes. Uh, The fact that the police chief up in Brooklyn Center immediately said she grabbed the wrong weapon she made a horrible mistake. It's going to be hard for the media and therefore the public to differentiate or to distinguish that set of facts as announced immediately from the reality. So I do believe that there will be there will be protest. It is still a young black man killed by a white officer. It is with a gun, uh, and so the anger. Uh, directed at law enforcement generally will be there. Will there be protest? Uh, almost certainly. Will it be at the level that we saw after uh, George Floyd's murder? No, it will not, in my opinion. I believe it will be uh, an expression of anger at law enforcement and uh, an expression of sympathy for Mr. Wright's family. Opening statements in the trial are set to begin this upcoming week. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community, too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to fda.gov slash BeSafeRx. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota this week got its first visit from President Biden since the election, and it came with its share of controversy. MNN's Bill Werner has a report for us. Scott, the White House billed it as a trip to promote the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill that the president pushed through Congress and recently signed into law. But analysts say the central reason is next year's election for U.S. House in Minnesota's 2nd Congressional District, a likely rematch between Democratic Congresswoman Angie Craig and Republican Tyler Kistner. Craig beat Kistner by a scant 2% in 2020, and Carleton College political analyst Stephen Shear says... If the Democrats are to have any hope hope of holding their majority in the U.S. House, they have to win in districts like the 2nd District of Minnesota. But Scheer adds the president is also trying to help all Democrats in Minnesota because he says the 2022 election will be very unpredictable. Minnesota's had a very turbulent two years uh, with the uh, riots resulting from George Floyd, the pandemic, uh, inflation, the economic downturn. It's been a very difficult two years in Minnesota. Republican challenger Tyler Kistner notes the 2nd Congressional District which extends from the southeast Twin Cities suburbs down the Mississippi through Goodhue and Wabashaw counties, he says is a top 10 pickup opportunity for Republicans. And if they have to bring the president in because they know I'm running, it's definitely saying we're doing something positive on our end to continue to build the momentum and energy to uh, win back this district in 2022. Democratic Congresswoman Craig responds. This is not about politics. This is about investing in our highways, our roads, and our bridges, as well as broadband for the rural parts of this community. If uh, the president of the United States had still been Donald Trump, I would have voted for this bill. Biden stole the election. Fauci can't be trusted. Bill Gates isn't a doctor. Hillary belongs in prison. Epstein didn't kill himself. And the media is propaganda. Protesters outside Dakota County Technical College. Anyone that requires a mandate enforcing people to take vaccinations is Hitler. That protester talking about President Biden. He doesn't believe in freedom of choice. He doesn't believe that we have the right to choose. He wants a mandate a vaccine that shouldn't be mandated at all. It should be the right to choose. We're free. We can do what we want. We live in America. We don't live in a foreign country. Inside the building, Senator Tina Smith praised the president's work on the infrastructure bill. This infrastructure law, along with the Build Back Better bill, which we will pass in the coming weeks, won't we not, won't we, Senator Klobuchar? It includes a transformational investment in building the clean energy economy. For my 12 years in Congress, 10 of those on the Transportation Committee, every week was Infrastructure Week. Well, it took President Biden to make Infrastructure Week a reality, and that impact will be felt. Governor, uh, thanks for the welcome to Minnesota. Right off, the president said the new COVID variant, quote, is a cause of concern, but not a cause to panic. On Thursday, I'll put forward a detailed strategy outlining how we're going to fight this COVID this winter, not with shutdowns and lockdowns, with more widespread vaccination, boosters, testing, and much more. Outside the building, the so-called no-jab nurse from Blaine. It matters to me because they're taking away our freedom of choice. They're trying to force these shots onto everyone, and there are adverse reactions. I've seen them firsthand, and I'm getting the word out and standing up for the nurses that are being coerced into either getting the shot or losing their jobs, and that's affecting families across the nation. Back inside, the president talked infrastructure. In 2007, this state sounded the national alarm of our decaying infrastructure when the I-35 bridge collapsed killing 13 people and injuring another 140. In the United States of America, 
a major vision on how it collapsed. This is America, for God's sake. The president said the package has money for roads and bridges, the most significant investment ever in public transportation, money to replace lead pipes, and $20 billion to make high-speed Internet available and affordable everywhere in America, he says. Today, 12% of Minnesotans and households don't have Internet subscriptions. And in some places, there's no broadband infrastructure at all. This law is going to make high-speed Internet affordable and available everywhere in Minnesota, (laughs) urban, suburban, and rural. Not surprisingly, the president also talked about his Build Back Better initiative, which, after much twisting of arms, cleared the U.S. House before the Thanksgiving recess, now faces a tough test in the Senate. I'm tired of this trickle-down economy. I'm tired of it. This is a blue-collar blueprint to rebuild America. And the only way this works is if the blue-collar Americans do the building. And that's the only way it's ever worked. The greatest solution to addressing the economy is the private sector, not the government. The government has an ability to create conditions for economic prosperity, but they should not be the source. Republican U.S. House candidate Tyler Kistner, who says the number one issue is inflation, which he warns will increase with government spending and the president's packages. Less than four years ago, people were able to save up for their children's future. They were able to save up for a house. And now people are having to budget week by week just to make sure they can meet the grocery bills and the gas prices. The president said to those who warn inflation will increase under his packages. 17 Nobel laureates, 17, three weeks ago, spontaneously sent me a letter saying that it would have the opposite effect, would actually reduce long-term inflationary pressures. And Scott, if we didn't know it already, the 2022 campaign is obviously already underway. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A little more than 40 years ago this week, the CDC issued a report describing the first known AIDS patients in the world. Tasha Radel has more. Since then, more than 32 million people worldwide have died from AIDS and more than 38 million people currently living with HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. Joining me today is Chrissy Jones with the Minnesota Department of Health. Yeah, so as you said, it has been 40 years. And actually on June 5th of 1981, that is when um, CDC described the first case of um a rate of pneumonia among five men in Los Angeles, California, which actually marked the first official reporting reporting of what would later be known as HIV um, and uh, AIDS. So 40 years has been a long time. Um, In the United States, we have witnessed a tragedy of about 700,000 lives lost to HIV, but we've also witnessed a triumph of um, HIV prevention and treatment bringing um, the number of infection, new infections to a low time, to an all-time low. So we have, in these past 40 years, seen the advent of um, very effective treatment for um, individuals who are living with HIV. Uh, Minnesota was the third state to adopt U equals U, um, which is undetectable equals untransmittable. And what that basically is, is um, that when an individual who is living with HIV um, gets into medical care and begins treatment for their infection, 
they can, their viral levels in their, um, their viral load can get to a level that's so low, it's actually undetectable. And um, research has shown that when those levels are undetectable, HIV cannot pass, be passed um, by sexual part to, to sexual partners, which is a huge um, piece of prevention and empowerment for people living with HIV. We also have um, effective treatment for um, um, for reducing your chances of getting HIV from sex by about 99%, and that's through PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is a, just a daily prescription medication that individuals at high risk for HIV um, can take to as a protective mechanism. So we have some really good pre- prevention messages, or I'm sorry, some prevention efforts. And, you know, we always say condoms still work as well, too. Um, but now we just have a lot more uh, tools in the toolbox, many of them very effective. Chrissy, I just can't believe this, that it's been 40 years since the first initial case. Does this surprise you that all these years later, we still don't have a cure for HIV AIDS? I am not surprised that there isn't a cure yet for HIV. Um, and I say that for a couple reasons. One is I think um, just across our, as the United States, and, and it's no different in Minnesota, what I've experienced is I've been in this field for a little over 20 years. And what I have seen is, is kind of a, a prevention fatigue around HIV. Um, you know, our younger generations now, they've lived, AIDS is just, AIDS, AIDS and HIV has just been a part of their, you know, part of what happened, of their life. You know, it's always been around. Um, whereas 40 years ago, when we first seen uh, HIV and AIDS, there was a very heightened sense of awareness and prevention um, and, and um, tactics that, that really brought these, this disease to the forefront and people were actually, you know, more active, more, more engaged in prevention messages, education, you know, that, that whole thing. And I think there's been a fatigue in that. Chrissy, let's bring it closer to home. Here in Minnesota, do we continue to see cases of HIV and AIDS around the state? Absolutely, we do. So in our state, um, we've had a total of uh, actually 12,300, about 12,000, uh, four, 12,400 HIV AIDS reported cases in Minnesota. We estimate currently right now, we have about 9,400 people living with HIV and our, our AIDS in our state. Um, we're still seeing that um, people living with HIV, with among people living with HIV, communities of color, American Indian populations, and men who have sex with men continue to be overrepresented. Um, and we see that men who have sex with men, people of color, American Indian populations, also continue to have higher HIV rates of new infections. Just some other points about the, what we're seeing in Minnesota is that we see that nearly two out of five reported cases of HIV infections in 2020 were less than 30 years old. So we're seeing younger people um, becoming infected as well. Um, and the number of HIV cases among people who inject drugs has remained pretty similar over the past three years. Um, we've continued to see a pattern of increase in HIV infection among people who inject drugs over the state. So it's kind of slowly ticked up over the last three years. And um, lastly, seven in 10 newly reported HIV cases were among communities of color and American Indians, which is a 4% increase from 2019. So we're seeing those increases in, in those um, those higher risk or in the communities of color, American Indian and men who have sex with men. Thanks again to my guest, Chrissy Jones with the Minnesota Department of Health.
Back to you, Scott. Thanks, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota Twins made headlines this week agreeing to a long-term contract with star outfielder Byron Buxton. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has more on the big deal. Scott, details of the contract emerged last weekend as Buxton inked a seven-year deal valued at $100 million. The pact is full of incentives and could take the total much higher. Buxton's been hampered by injuries throughout much of his career, but when he's been healthy, he's been one of baseball's best all-around players. Over 95 miles an hour. There's a line drive center field. Buxton coming in, still coming in, dives, and he'll come up with it. We've seen enough of Byron Buxton. Not afraid to leave his feet. Lynch kicks it 2-0 to the plate, and Byron hits this ball deep to center field. This ball is gone way into the night. 3-1 in favor of Kansas City as Byron Buxton obliterates a 2-0 pitch into the sweets in straightaway center field. His 12th of the year. And the 1-1 pitch, a drive to left center field, deep in the gap. Buxton tracking grass, track near the wall. He jumps up. He's got it. Buxton at the top of the wall to end the inning. Byron, patience, poise, beauty. Speaking of patience, Buxton says he could have waited to become a free agent after this coming season ended and then shopped the open market. But the Twins are the team he wants to play for, and Minnesota's where he wants to be. For me, it was a fa- uh, family family decision, my decision, but my family took a big part in this. They're comfortable here. The comfortability here is uh, a big key for what we want to do and the stability, just knowing that you know we ain't got to go nowhere that we can put our boys in school and, and not really have to worry about too much is uh, you know the the biggest key and. I love the city. You know, I love the fans. I love the city. I love the organization. And uh, that was the first one that gave me a chance to become who I am today. So, you know, it's for me, it's a lot of loyalty into this. Uh, that's how I was raised. So just me being able, like I said, to put my name on that piece of paper was, uh, was one of the best feelings you could possibly have as a player. Buxton says he's beyond thrilled to be staying with the franchise that drafted him number two overall in 2012. You know, it's just everybody throughout this organization means a lot. So uh, just to be able to to sign my name and be able to be here and see you for seven more years is uh, pretty special. But just wanted to let you know it's a special place for me, special place for my family, uh, and it's nowhere else we want to be. Uh, this is where we made a home nine years ago, and we get to 
you know, live for seven more years here. So officially say I might be a Minnesotian. <laughs> a Minnesotian indeed. Buxton says now that the deal is done, he has big goals. The biggest goal here for me now is win as many rings as I can to, to bring back to Minneapolis, and that's my biggest focus. I don't have that scariness of uh, am I going to be here anymore or whatever situation it was before now. You know, now that pen is paper, uh, I'm very, very excited to get back on the field and bring that ring here. Buxton says his career began to improve when he started to gain confidence. 2017 was probably a turnaround year. j he here, worked in the cage um, each and every day and got the swing right. So it was one of those things where he told me each and every day, you know, you're the best player. You're the best player. So I had to mentally prepare myself each and every day like, you know what? I am the best player. So once my mindset shifted to you're the best player, it allowed me to forget about the stuff that didn't matter, you know, like getting drafted second or the injuries I had early in my career or whatever. You know, I just went out, played baseball, and stayed even keel. That's what I mean by not getting too high, too low. Uh, I think early in my career, sometimes you get a little too high when you have a little few streaks here and there, and then when you're not going the way you want it to, it kind of plummets really quickly. And uh, I think 2017 was that turning point for me to, all right, relax a little bit more and and be who you are because you know who you are. After he signed the contract, Buxton says he was thrilled to get a congratulatory phone call from Tory Hunter. I actually talked to Tory today before I came here, so it was very special. Um, you know, just go out, be you. Don't let the game change you just because of what's at stake, you know. So um, kind of take those words to heart. You know, I'm not, not going to change who I am anyway, but just to hear it from, you know, somebody like that, Tory is uh, pretty special. So for me, it's about going out there. Stay even kill, like I said. Derek Falvey's the president of baseball operations for the Twins. He says this is a week that makes history. He's been through a lot. He'd be the first to tell you that. He's had some incredible ups and some challenges along the way. And I think Byron Buxton represents everything we want this organization to be. Uh, who he is as a person, who he is as a player, how he goes out there and gives his all every day on the field. And with that, I am, I'm thrilled to, to, to thank him for being a part of this organization and cementing who he is as a Minnesota Twin. Twins general manager Thad Levine says Twins fans are lucky to be able to watch a ball player like Buxton now. You know, I, I think it's huge. It was our, our central focus. It's been our central focus for some time. I actually looked up this morning. The first offer we made to Byron was March 17, 2017. That's 1,720 days ago. Uh, that's longer than your normal negotiation, I would say. Uh, but I think it's been our focus ever since we got here was that we view this as a championship caliber team but he is a central figure to that. He's a memory maker. You know, when fans come to see him play, he's making memories night in and night out. Whether that nets him as a face of the franchise or face of the game, I don't know, but that's how I view him, is, is, is he's a memory maker. And the future of everything we're trying to do here is built around guys like Byron. And so it had everything to do with what we're doing moving forward. The Twins and their fans now may have to wait a while to watch baseball. The owners have officially locked the players out as they work for a collective bargaining agreement, and only time will tell as to when the season will start. Scott, back to you. Thank you, Mike. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.